Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for coming on what traditionally is a day that we sort of clock out about lunchtime, <laughs> uh, Melbourne Cup Day, and uh, obviously the most important meetings happen on Melbourne Cup Day, which is this meeting and the Reserve Bank um, meeting in Hobart. So thank you for coming. On behalf of the Education and Care Regulation Support Branch and the ACT Australian Early Development Census Team, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. I'll do the acknowledgement of country. Darununa, Darunamu, Yangunawili, Tulimanyan Nalawari, Dawari, Ingada Dindi, Wangarali Jinyan. This is Nanawal country. We always pay respect to elders, female and male. Um, the Education Regulation, uh, sorry, Education and Care Regulation Support um, is a branch that you'd be familiar with if you're in the early childhood context as being seeker. And we welcome non-government school participants in today. It's a bit of an experiment to have the two sectors that we regulate together, and it'll be interesting from an AEDC point of view to see how that conversation goes. The um, Australian, the ACT AEDC team supports the community to understand the AECD data, AEDC data, and to use it at a local level and to improve outcomes for ACT children and families. Um, today, we've got um, uh, Claire Brooks from ECRS. Uh, we've got Joe Williams, who you saw at the door. We've got Leah Partridge um, is here too. Um, uh, we've got Jacinta Dale from the, the comms team, and Kylie will be joining us later. The AE, ACT AEDC coordinator is Tracy Power, and Anna Perry is the senior project officer from the team, and they'll be leading that presentation and work today. And from, um, we're also joined by Amy Hunter and um, Abby Aurora from the, um, the um, who are early childhood community coordinators who are part of the Setup for Success Early Childhood Strategy and that th the Three Adulterative Initiative, which those of you who are part of, you, you've probably met them and, and know of their work. Um, so um, they're going to share um, how AEDC results can support practice quality outcomes for children and continuous improvement. Bit of housekeeping, there's COVID safe rules on the table. I got really sick of saying all the COVID safe things over and over again, so they're there on the table if you need to see them. There's bathrooms just out the door there. Um, and if there is an emergency, we'll guide you out um, the best way we can out of the rabbit warren, that is HB, but we will get you out safely. So um, feel free to take calls. Um, stretch your legs, do whatever you need to do for your services and, and yourself. In terms of recording, um, the audio, we're recording the audio. Um, we might delete that bit about HB. Um, the, and the audio will be used po for podcast um, recording that we'll put up. We'll also take photos and share them throughout um, this forum when we, when we publish it. And please let the team members who are taking photos know that if you don't want your take, photo taken, um, I'll hand over to Tracy and Anna, who will share and unpack some of the, um, AC, the ACT's 2021 AEDC results before they hand over to Amy and Abby. And Tracy, Anna, Amy and Abby will take questions at the end um, of the presentation. So please don't note down any questions or queries you have about that. And please welcome me in welcome. Please join me in welcoming Tracy and Anna. Thank you so much. Um, thanks, Sean and team, Claire, for having us today um, and allowing us to chat to all of you. 
Normally this is pretty informal, um, so I'm happy for it to be informal, but yeah, hold your questions for the end if you'd like to. If there's something that's burning you and you really want to ask though, please ask it as we move along. Um, so I'm Tracy, I'm the ACT coordinator of the AEDC, yes it's a mouthful, um, the Australian Early Development Census, um, and there's coordinators that hold positions similar to mine across the country. Um, and I work in a team with Anna. Anna and I pretty much roll out the um, data here and also then share the results and uh, share with the community ways that we can improve the results. Thank you for the acknowledgement of country in language as well, Sean. Um, in terms of the ADC team, though, we really recognise the value and importance of working together with our community um, and we're working towards building some really collaborative partnerships with our community so that we can share the results, uh, especially for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, um, with the community first and foremost um, and find the narrative that goes alongside that data so then we can publish that information together before it's published in a national way. Um, so before we get going, normally I have an ask, how many people are aware of the AEDC or know a little bit about it? And those that are completely unfamiliar with it, it's brand new and foreign. Okay, we've got a bit of a mix, that's good. Um, I always ask because it just gives us an idea. If I'm going too quickly in the information, please let me know and I'll slow down. So what is it, the AEDC? It's a measure of child development. Um, the early years we know are a really critical period in a child's life and um, that's when our learning and development is really important and seizing the opportunity during that time we know internationally is best practice. Um, so the AADC itself, it's a census or a data collection and it examines how Australian children have developed by the time they start school. So for us here in the ACT, that's kindergarten. And it's really looking at what's happened in that perinatal period um, before the child's even born, all the way through to that critical first five years of life um, until they start school. It's a program that's run by the Australian Government and they fund state and territories um, to support the collection to happen each year and that happens through schools. So each year that it happens, it happens every three years and it started in 2009. So today we'll be looking at the results from 2021 and that was the fifth cycle. Uh, each cycle, there's been about 300,000 children across Australia included in um, the data collection, which means that the data set itself is really rich and robust. It's got about 1.5 million children uh, in the data set, which makes it really good uh, for us to be able to use as a population measure. Um, we get really good participation across the country here in the ACT, uh, amazing participation. 100% of our schools participate every um, cycle. Uh, that's across public, Catholic and independent sectors. So thank you if you're a teacher that has participated in the collection. Um, in 2021, we had 5,951 uh, instruments collected across ACT schools, uh, which was 98.4% of our ACT children that are eligible to have the collection done. So really across the country, it's over 96% of children that we get in the collection, which makes it that really valuable piece of data. Um, now, there's a different number on the screen, you might have noticed from what I just said. That's because 5,803 of those children live in the ACT and all of the publicly available AEDC data is based on where that child lives. Um, so the instrument itself that's used is the Australian version of the Early Development Instrument. Um, it was developed over in Canada and it's been used across countries 
uh, across the world. Uh, we're really lucky in Australia, we're the only country that uses it at a snapshot in time across our whole country, so we use it as that population census. Um, teachers collected in schools, so every kindergarten teacher um, that has kindergarten children across the country in term two of the year of the collection um, has the fun job of having to fill in a, a census form, an instrument for each of the kindergarten children takes the teachers about 20 minutes to complete and there is funding given by the Commonwealth, part of the program, to be able to backfill those teachers while they complete the instruments and also provide them with training before they have to do the census. So teacher reporting is really reliable. Um, it's valid and reliable in terms of its measure. It's been measured for Australian um, context. And the training and the guide that goes along with that supports the teacher to be able to answer the questions um, with cultural flags as well um, and uh, culturally, linguistically diverse children. There's flags throughout the guide that help that teacher understand how they might answer it for certain children. Um, it happens in term two so that the teachers have got to know the children a little bit before they answer the questions about them. Um, as much of the demographic information that goes into the census is collected from the student administration system and that's put into the data set before the teachers go in, so a lot of the questions are already filled in. There's about over 100 questions uh, about the child's development that that teacher has to answer. Um, so once the, the, the instrument's completed, um, they go through to the Social Research Centre, currently hold the contract for the data agency, management agency, um, and each child gets a domain score um, across five AADC domains, which we'll look at in a minute. Um, and it looks at whether the child is developmentally on track, developmentally at risk, or developmentally vulnerable. So you'll get used to this terminology as we go through. The ADC is quite particular with their terminology and also with their colours. You'll see some of that come out as we go through the slides today. Um, some of the questions, just so you get an idea of what it's like, uh, some of the questions that are asked is whether the child shows a hand preference, so left or right-handed preference. Um, are they able to identify some of the letters in the alphabet or numbers? Can they count um, up to 10 or 20? Are they able to follow one-step instructions? Are they able to play along with other children? So questions like that. And why is it different? So as a collection, it's really different from other collections like the NACLAN, for example. It's a population census. So where the, in the NACLAN, the teachers and the parents get a report back on how that individual child goes. In the AADC, it's about a population group. So we can look at it as the whole of the Australian children that completed the census. Today, we'll be mainly looking at our ACT population and how they went as a cohort. But we can also drill down and you can have a look at the census in terms of different regions across Australia, all the way down to our suburbs here in the ACT. Um, and we can look at different cohorts of children, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children or language background other than English, those kind of cohorts as well. So all of the information is publicly available. So we're really lucky that AEDC at the address there. Oh, by the way, you'll get all these slides, so don't feel like you madly have to write everything down. There'll be a whole big package sent out to you with lots of resources, including these slides following today. Um, the AADC website there, you can see, clicking on the left side at the moment on the website, you'll get the National 2021 report. And clicking on the right side, you can go into the Data Explorer. In that Data Explorer, if you're a bit of a data nerd, you'll get any information you want right down to suburb level about the children in that area um, and how they've gone in the AADC 
over all of the cycles, so back to 2009 if that's what you're after. Um, so although we collect that individual data, um, you can only see it as a population, so it's not identifiable down to the child and the report won't go back. So that's all the publicly available data. Schools that complete the instrument also get a profile back for their school. Um, and that gives them an idea of their cohort in their school population and how that changes in trends over time. But at the end of the day, it's the area in terms of the suburb and the community that you're working within um, that you want to know about anyway. So without, if you're at ECEC, for example, that doesn't have school-based data, um, you can still use what's publicly available as your data set. Um, so when the data is reported, it's usually reported as either a number or a percentage of the children that are either developmentally on track, developmentally at risk, or developmentally vulnerable in the group in that you're looking at. So the domains. There's five different domains in the AEDC, and there's all different ways we can look at um, child development. And this is how the AEDC look at it. So I think it's really important if you're going to be using the data to have a look at what the domains are and have a good understanding of what's in each domain because when you look at different uh, ways of frameworks, I suppose, of looking at child development, everybody talks about it with slightly different language. Um, so the colours will remain the same across all of our ADC reporting, which makes it a bit easier. So in our orange category, that's our physical health and wellbeing. So that means the child is ready for learning for the day, they're healthy, they're independent, and they've got good gross and fine motor skills. This is the only kind of, well, the main uh, domain where some of the home life wellbeing factors come in. So some of the questions that are asked in there are about whether the child comes to school hungry, uh, whether they're dressed appropriately, those kind of questions. So you can kind of get a little bit of insight into what might be happening at home in terms of routines and things uh, from this question as well. Social competence and emotional maturity, the green and the blue, are somewhat interlinked domains. The green one, social competence, is about that child's ability to get along with others. Are they self-confident? Are they ready to explore? Um, it's more about that child's ability to get along, I suppose, with others, um, more so than their internal kind of regulation, which is more the blue one, the emotional maturity. So that's a bit more about self-regulation, the child's ability to concentrate. Are they helpful to others? Are they patient? Are they not aggressive or angry? And then the final two domains, the red and yellow, are also somewhat interlinked. The red one being language and cognitive skills school-based, very specific language. Um, really, that's early literacy, numeracy um, and memory. So whether that child's interested in reading or writing, whether they can count, recognise letters, numbers or shapes, um, and whether they have the ability to remember and recall information. And then in yellow, we've got communication skills and general knowledge. So that's a uh, child's use of language, storytelling, and what they know about life and the world around them that we'd expect of a kindergarten student in Australia. So can they tell a story? Can they communicate with adults and with children? And can they articulate themselves? So when we talk about children being developmentally on track, developmentally at risk or developmentally vulnerable, when we're talking about the ADC data, we're looking at it across these five domains. Um, so when we look at the vulnerability part of it, we make sure that we're not talking about vulnerability from a different aspect, such as society or social, um, social adversity. So 
Uh, there's lots of research and data linkage that's been happening internationally and locally as well um, that give us the evidence for factors in early childhood that support the future health and wellbeing of our children. We know that uh, what happens in those really early years sets up our future life kind of outcomes. Um, one such factor that gets talked about is dental health. So the health of our teeth and our gums as a child is a correlating factor of future health um, and disease in adulthood. That's quite well known now um, through research. Some of that's related to the health of um, your mouth and things itself, but also about routines. Um, so we know that a child that's doing lots of brushing routines has other good routines in their household. Now that's not AEDC related and that's not about the data linkages that we're talking about. So today we'll have a quick look before we go into the data, what's some of the information about the AEDC that we know um, in these kind of risk factors and vulnerabilities for early childhood. So as a lag indicator, we'll have a look at things that have happened before the AEDC and what factors we can pull together that we know that are correlating factors um, to lead to outcomes in the AEDC. And then once we look at the AEDC uh, and from the population results we get, what can we see about the AEDC that might predict the future? Um, and that will help us set up services and supports. Um, so some of what we'll talk about today. Um, but what are some of those features that we can look at? So in terms of it being predicted by something, so as a lag indicator, the things that happened before the AEDC, what do we know? So there's some large data linkages that have happened obviously internationally, but also in Australia. Unfortunately, at this point, we haven't linked any specific ACT data with our AEDC data here, um, but hopefully we will in the near future. Um, so that most of this comes from either the uh, Australia or the national um, database, uh, data linkages, or some of the state-based ones that have happened in some of the bigger states like Queensland and New South Wales have some big studies happening. Uh, so in the perinatal period, things like gestational age we know have impacts on children as they develop. So children that are preterm under 37 weeks or very preterm under 33 weeks have a higher risk of vulnerability on the AEDC. Uh, birth measurements, so weight, length and APGAR scores also have... Um, increased developmental vulnerability um, for children if they've got poor scores at birth. The demographics of the mother, um, including her age, so if she's under 15 or over 36 at the time of birth, if there's three or more siblings already on the, um, in the family, the mum's relationship, work status and smoking status all play a picture in that perinatal period and contribute to the child development outcomes. We know that families, uh, family level social adversity, so looking at the CIFA and things like that, demonstrate that children that live in more advantaged areas are more likely to be on track in the um, AEDC nationally. In the ACT, it's a little bit more of a mixed picture. CIFA is not quite so straightforward for us, but when you look at the national picture, that's um, definitely correlated that way. Um, and we do know that these are all increasing the risk of likelihood of a child being on track or at risk. Just because they have some of these factors, it doesn't mean that they will be. Another factor we know about is males being um, more likely to be in the vulnerable category as well. Um, on the more positive side, um, preschool attendance we know reduces developmental vulnerability in the AEDC. And we're very lucky in the ACT to have high levels of preschool attendance um, and should be working as a protective factor here for us in the ACT. 
Playgroup attendance is another protective factor for children. So we know that child um, playgroups improve child development across all five of the AADC domains. Uh, but we also know that there's benefits far greater than that when you look at parental wellbeing uh, and the impact it has for the child-parent relationship as well. Um, on the not-so-nice side, again, child protection notifications. So we do know that children in out-of-home care are three times more likely to be developmentally vulnerable in the AEDC. Um, and we know some, some of the research findings. A surprising finding that they found when they did some of the um, data linkages with the out-of-home care data was children that had just one contact with uh, the child protection system were already at an increase um, risk of developmental vulnerability in the AEDC. And I share this because I think that's really a call out to us and anybody who's putting in um, reports or concerns to child protection system to make sure that we provide that family and child with wraparound supports at that point in time when we first notice something to make sure that that child has the best chance at thriving through their early childhood years. Um, and the final one on this slide is about parental history of mental illness and criminal offending. Um, and this one's through some of the uh, New South Wales big data linkage that they've done. And that can be at any point in that um, parent's history, mother or father or um, parent, um, if they have a mental illness diagnosis, um, not particularly during that period of um, the child growing up, but it can be at any point in time. Um, so if a mother has had a mental illness diagnosis at some point, then the child is at a slightly higher risk. Um, sorry, the father first, and then the mother at a slightly higher risk. If both parents have, it's a higher risk again. And it's the same for criminal offending. So if the father has a criminal offence in their history at any point, a slightly higher risk in the AADC. If the mother, it's a higher risk again. Both parents is higher, and the highest risk is if either of those parents have a criminal, um, uh, sorry, a violent offence in their past. So just a reminder there, some of kind of the contributing factors that we know about um, that lead potentially um, to putting a child at higher risk of developmental vulnerability in the AADC. It doesn't mean if they have them, they will have better or poor outcomes. So then from the AADC, what do we know as a lead indicator afterwards? Um, and from a lot of the uh, data linkage work that we have, we know that educational outcomes are a really uh, clear correlating factor with some of the data linkage. So we know that children that come up in our AEDC data is vulnerable on two or more of those domains, and we'll talk about that uh, in a minute as being one of the summary indicators. Um, they're two, more, two times more likely to then be in that bottom 20% of your NAPLAN results. Across all five AEDC domains, um, children... Um, do more poorly on the NAPLAN if they've not done well in the AEDC. Um, the strongest predictors, as we know, would come from that red and yellow um, kind of end of the domains, and that's where it's most linked to literacy and numeracy. Um, um, I won't touch on all of them on, on this slide, the later life course problems. We kind of talked about teeth briefly, but we really know internationally it's recognised now that um, significant contributing factors from that early childhood, especially in those first 1,000 days, 2,000 days, um, lead to future adult health and well-being. Um, and there's some really interesting work coming through uh, from New South Wales mainly about looking at the AEDC and breaking down some of the questions and putting together some profiles um, and looking at children having a mental health diagnosis between the ages of 6 and 15 years old 
and they're coming out with um, quite accurate um, identification of being able to look at children and what leads to those uh, from the AEDC, um, which will lead then to the kind of that more population level look, but at the moment they're looking at it at individual level, so that's really interesting work that's been happening in New South Wales. So from the AEDC itself, what do we know um, about the ACT and the ACT context? Um, so we can see from the ACT um, results for the AEDC, we've got high, um, this is, comes from some of that student administrative data um, and some of it would be uh, filled in by the teacher as well. So ACT children are enrolled in preschool programs at a really high rate, uh, which correlates with our other data that we have. Um, so in the 2021 results, we had 97.3% of children um, attending a preschool program. Uh, we have really high levels of in, and increasing over time, high levels of enrolment in ECEC, um, so 52.1% for 2021. And we had a slight reduction, um, but we're still over 20% of children who receive care from a grandparent in um, at least some of the years before kindergarten. What else do we know um, about the EC, EC context in the ACT? So our Commonwealth reporting shows the same as the ADC results we just looked at, and that's that there's an increasing enrolment in the, for ACT children in the ECEC sector, um, and that we have the highest enrolment of all Australian jurisdictions. We also see the highest average fees for ECEC occurring in the ACT, as well as the second highest for hours of attendance. In terms of national quality uh, standard ratings, um, they indicate that the quality of services in the ACT is quite varied. Uh, we've got some of both uh, the highest proportions of services that are exceeding the national quality standards and some of the highest proportions working towards as well. We've also seen that at least two services in the ACT have been awarded an excellent rating by CEQA, um, which is an achievement that we know is sought by ECEC services. And we know there's many more examples of great work that's happening here in our ACT sector. Um, under ACT's uh, Education Set Up for Success, the Early Childhood Strategy, the ADC team has been heavily involved in um, and consulting to support several of the foundation pieces that are implemented through the plan. And we'll hear from some of the work that's been done um, at the end of my presentation. Uh, we know that the Quality Early Childhood Education for Three-Year-Olds Initiative, which some of you would be involved with, um, we provide ADC data uh, for that and the setup for that as well. Um, and we do sit as a community service directorate, which is where I sit um, in the government, as a representative on the placement pathway group for that initiative as well. We've provided the ADC data as part of the co-design for the Koori preschools. And ADC data is being used across many other national and local frameworks, so closing the gap for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. Our ACT Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Agreement has ADC data in it. Our ACT Wellbeing Framework and the Children and Young People's Lens coming out of that as well. So what else can we find out about our ACT children that went to kindy in 2021? So as you can see from the slide here, we can find out lots of demographic information. This is some of the ACT information, but you're interested more at a suburb, uh, at a region level, you can look at the community profiles and find out a bit more about your community as well. 
Um, so what do we know? We know that the children in the 2021 cohort, their average age was five years, seven months. And over the five cycles of the AEDC, um, it's always around that same age, five years, eight months, five years, seven months. We had slightly more males than females and 68.6% .6 of them attended a government school. We know that 3.2% of them identified as Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander and 7.8% were born in another country. 27.9%, so nearly 30%, have a language background other than English. And then we can drill down further at English proficiency and things like that um, if you're interested in those kind of areas. We know that 94.2% had parents that were actively engaged in their learning, which is a really great result, and 96.4% of children that adapted really well to school, which was almost a surprise, particularly to me and talking to the team, um, these preschool children went through some of the lockdowns in COVID in their preschool year um, and therefore I would have assumed um, that maybe they were probably going to um, have a harder time adapting to that new environment but really the rates have stayed pretty stable over time here in the ACT so that's really good news. Um, on the declining side, unfortunately, though, a figure that both locally and nationally is declining is that um, in ours, it was 88.7% of our children are read to or encouraged in reading at home. So that's definitely declining on the national scale, um, and we see that same pattern here in the ACT. Um, so I mentioned before about the preschool um, year for them in terms of COVID. What more do we know? Kind of a bit of context about these children. These children were born between 2015 and 16. Um, so they started their school amongst the pandemic. Um, they, some of the children across the country also have lived through floods, fires, droughts. Um, for some of our children, it was bushfires and smoke um, in that first five years of life. Um, some of the families during that time um, obviously from the pandemic experienced quite disrupted or quite changed lifestyles from what they were used to um, and the sector as you would know um, as the front face would probably experience and know how stressful a lot of those families and yourselves um, had during those times. Um, in terms of what we see in this um, particular 2021 cycle nationally though um, that there wasn't as much change as people predicted there might be, but a lot of more research needs to go into uh, pulling it apart and having a look at um, the results and what impacts might have come from COVID. We do anticipate that the 2024 collection, which is our next collection, um, which has children that would have been born during those COVID years, um, potentially will have more impacts from COVID than this cohort that's just been through. Uh, they would have been without libraries and preschools, uh, sorry, um, being without libraries in the ACT, child and family centres were closed and services were changing to a different health mode as well. So their nursing um, in those early few months would have been quite changed for those children. Enough about the background, let's have a look at some of the results. Now this is a really busy slide, I won't talk to this one, um, but I will leave it in there for those of you that want um, the, the numbers and the trend lines. It's just a bit easier to look at in this way. So for 2021, the ACT saw a slight um, uh, increase. Oh, well, it was almost. So 
Um, when we look at the results, we look at whether something's statistically significant or not. And for the orange domain, which is physical health and wellbeing, we were just shy of being statistically significant. So we did still have quite a big jump there to 12.8%. And as you can see over time, the ACT has kept going up. Now, what we want is less um, vulnerability in this. This is the children that are developmentally vulnerable in that domain. So we'd prefer to be seeing that go down. Um, I know unfortunately for that first one, over time it's gone up every cycle. Um, in 2021, the um, physical health and wellbeing went up nationally as well. So that was in line with the national increase, um, but they haven't seen the same increase over time that we have. In the green domain, we actually saw a slight decrease to 12.2% um, for those children developmentally vulnerable and social competence. And that was in line with a um, statistically significant decrease um, nationally which was exciting to see. For us, though, um, it's only a very slight decrease um, and we had quite a marked jump between 15 and 18. Um, so when you look at the trend line from 2012 onwards, it's a very similar pattern kind of going up for us in the ACT, unfortunately. Uh, in blue, in the emotional, emotional maturity, uh, we had a statistically significant increase in that to 10.6% of our ACT children developmentally vulnerable. Um, it was a bit different on the national scale. They had a very slight um, increase, but they're holding a relatively stable trend over time, whereas since that 2012, you can see our ACT results have been heading upwards. Uh, for our red domain, which is language and cognitive skills school-based, uh, we did have a slight increase to 6.5%. Uh, we remain below the national average on this and we have done for all of our cycles. So this is an area where we do well for our children in the ACT um, compared to the other four domains where we're usually above the national average. And the final domain, the yellow domain, communication and uh, communication skills and general knowledge, um, this is where we saw our largest increase for 2021. We had a statistically significant increase to 9.2%. It was in line with a statistically significant increase as well nationally. Um, and a lot of people have talked about these kind of red and yellow domains being the ones where children missing out on some of that preschool schooling might have been some of the impact there. So when we look at those five domains, we then have three summary indicators that kind of give us a picture of how we're going um, in that population. The first one is the top line there the brownie grey colour, which we call vulnerable on one or more domains. So that's where a child has shown developmental vulnerability on at least one out of those five um, AEDC domains. And in the ACT, the trend line you can see is the um, solid um, grey line moving upwards from 2009 and the national is the dotted line next to it, which has gone in the opposite direction to us. We had a statistically significant increase, you can see from the red box over there on the right, um, up to 26.7%. And the purple ones are our second summary indicator, that's children that are developmentally vulnerable on at least two or more of the AEDC domains. And they're the children that are really at that kind of spiky end um, where teachers need to be giving a lot of support to get them to the point where they can then engage in their learning. 
Um, so we unfortunately also had a statistically significant increase to 13.3% uh, in that summary indicator. So really what does that mean? That means one in four of our ACT children from kindy last year uh, were showing developmental vulnerability in at least one or more of those domains. And around one in seven children were showing vulnerability on two or more domains. And that's much higher now than the national averages. Um, so in 2021, the ADC nationally has um, brought in a new summary indicator. Um, we've been just um, sharing that data for the last few cycles here in the ACT, um, but nationally it's finally being used um, at that summary indicator level. Um, and this is children that are developmentally on track, so it's more that flip side, the strengths-based kind of look at the, um, to the data. Um, on track on all five of the ADC domains. Um, so the risk here is when you look at those summary indicators, the two developmental vulnerability ones we just looked at, and this one, we miss a whole cohort of children in the middle that could be at risk. Um, so the ADC, if you remember me talking, was developmentally on track, developmentally at risk and developmentally vulnerable. So that's what the summary indicators will miss. So just using those, I'll just caution you, um, you may miss a whole chunk of children in the middle. Um, but in terms of how we've been going, um, from the trend lines, you can see our solid line is ACT, the dotted line in uh, Australia. And we'd want to be seeing this one go up because it's the flip side. Apologies. Um, the flip side of the results. Um, you can see nationally they've been going up until this cycle they had a decrease. Um, however, we've been going down since 2009, which is not what we want to see for our children. That means less children are on track in their development. Uh, so we're sitting with the 2021 results, 47.3% uh, of our children. So definitely now uh, below that one in two children being on track. So we can look at those results in the same way in a table. I've left them all in so that you can have them in your pack uh, when they come to you. Um, the Red means a statistically significant deterioration. That's not what we want to see in children's development. And the green being a statistically significant improvement in development, uh, which nationally we saw just in that one social competence domain uh, for this 2021 cycle. And the grey, there may be a change up or down, but it's not statistically significant. Um, in terms of where we sit in the ACT across the nation, um, back in 2009, we were on the high side of average across the states and territories. Um, but since 2009, and you can see from our trends, we have here in the ACT been going backwards for our children in terms of being, it, ensuring that they're thriving as they kind of start kindergarten. Um, and we now sit second most vulnerable in terms of the states and territories, um, just below the Northern Territory. Uh, the one domain that we do really well on is the red domain where we still sit below the national average, which is a really good result for us. But on most of the others, we're above the national averages. <coughs> uh, so we can look at the ADC, as I mentioned a couple of times, across different regions. Here in the ACT, uh, we kind of go in the regions people are somewhat familiar with, um, but we do have eight AEDC regions. Um, with Gungahlin, Belconnen and Tuggeranong having more than 1,000 children in each of those regions, and our other regions all having kind of 400 or less children. Malongolo is our newest region, um, and it's growing 
rapidly. Um, I won't go through all the results, but you can see on this one, a bit the same with the colours. So the red indicates a statistically significant uh, decrease. Um, this is looking at that first summary indicator, so children that are developmentally vulnerable on one or more of those AADC domains. And it looks across our different regions in the ACT. So this is our 20... Oh, you can see the trend line over time in the pale grey. The dark grey um, for this cycle is no statistically significant change, but you can see from our arrows. You might not be able to see from right back there, though, um, whether it's gone up or down. So we had an increase, which was statistically significant, in Belconnen, North Canberra and Tuggeranong for 2021. Uh, we had quite a big jump, 5.6% for Malongolo. Um, in 2021, but it wasn't statistically significant, and that's just because of the different sizes of the different regions, um, with Western Creek also showing a jump in results, an increase. Uh, South Canberra and Woden um, have seen a reduction uh, in vulnerability in 2021, and Gungahlin saw minimal change, um, which across all of their cycles, it's been probably the most stable of our regions. Um, and in the ACT, it's just an important reminder that some of our populations, when we get down to regions, but definitely down to suburbs, it's quite small numbers. So you will see it jump up and down with statistically significant results. Um, so if you're looking at it at that level, just take care about how many children are in those cohorts that you're looking at. Another piece of information we get from the AEDC is at the beginning of the instrument, uh, the teachers asked about special needs. And that's a terminology that's used in um, education in terms of children that uh, have a special need that uh, requires some supports uh, for them in the classroom. Um, so what we can see, this is the uh, results are in the grey lines down the bottom on the left. Um, and we were seeing quite um, that kind of 4.6, 4.9% of children with a special need starting into kindergarten back in uh, the 20, 2009 and 2012 um, results. We then saw a, a quite decline in children turning up at kindergarten with a diagnosis, um, but that's turned around again in 2021 back to 4.1%, 4.4%, uh, sorry, for the ACT. Um, the blue lines there, at the end of the instrument, the teachers asked a little bit about emerging needs for the children and whether they feel that the particular question we're looking at here is whether they feel that that child has uh, needs further assessment for something um, and that's maybe that they've observed that and made that um, observation themselves, whether a parent has told them or a professional has told them that they're either undergoing or require further assessment for something. And we can see from the solid blue line that that uh, rate has been going up quite significantly since 2012. Nationally, they've also started to see this trend change in the last cycle between 2018 and 2021, but we've seen that go for some time. So we've been looking into a few different things about that nationally um, and where we were looking is whether that's some of the changes due to the NDIS rollouts um, and the ways that that's changed the service system for some of these children. So looking more into the sector that you're more familiar with, um, in terms of preschool programs and things like that, we get some of the results out of that um, AEDC for that. So we know that there's a small group of ACT children who identified as not attending a preschool program. Um, and they're the children sitting on the right there. 
And we can see from the graphs, depending how familiar you are with reading something like this, but hopefully the colours will help, that there's a lot more red and a lot more orange on the right graph than there is on the left. So that's children that were developmentally vulnerable uh, in the red uh, across the five domains. In the orange, children that are at risk developmentally in those five domains. Uh, and the green is how many children on track. So you'll see less children on track in the right-hand side. And they're the children that did not attend a preschool program compared to the cohort population that did attend a preschool program. So really this demonstrates that children attending preschool program are performing better in ACT um, in our AEDC. And that's the same across our three summary indicators down the bottom as well. More children on track and less children developmentally vulnerable um, when they've attended a preschool program. Again, we just need to be mindful that the groups are quite different in size. Uh, what else can we find about the relationship between ECEC and AEDC? So we do get some of the information about uh, ECEC um, through the AEDC. Um, but some of it's not always answered, so depending on the knowledge of the teacher as well or the information that's in the student administration data that we have. But what we do know, um, and this is through reported through the government services, ROGS, at a Commonwealth <coughs> level, across all the states and territories. Um, so children that are developmentally vulnerable on one or more domain, we know that uh, children that have had some ECEC, there was 26.1% there, compared to those that have had no ECEC, 45%. So there's a much higher rate of children developmentally vulnerable on one or more domain if they've had no ECEC. And you can see from those results, ACT were actually higher uh, in vulnerability, which matches the rest of our population results. Um, so where can you find out some more information? I've showed you um, the national website before. We've got a local ACT AEDC website where we share as much information as we can. Uh, we've just recently published our report for 2021. Um, it's hard to get to that website at the moment. <laughs> We've had to do a new link. You can still use our old link, which is children.act.gov.au, but that will be changing. Um, but there'll be a link in what we send out to you as well. Um, we showcase news and stories here as well. Uh, we've got a one-pager on the results for 2021. Um, and anything we can, anything new, will be here. Um, some of our resources, I'll talk about in a minute, this one, um, is up there as well. So some other things that you'll be able to access. So if you want to learn more about the AEDC, um, our New South Wales colleagues have been really kind in letting us access their new micro-learning that they're developing. It's going to be eight modules all up. So far they've released four and another four are coming out early next year. Um, they're only around 15 minutes each, so they're a bit easier to get through than some of the past information we've had for AEDC. Um, so they're really easy to access and engage with. Um, and they're available for anybody to be able to log in and use. You've just got to sign into the New South Wales Education Portal, uh, make yourself a, a login there, and then you'll be able to access that content. So we'll be able to provide some more information about that that we send out. Um, some of the modules that are coming out, there'll be uh, targeted ones for ECEC sector versus schools as well. Um, so they're a really good resource if you want to know more about AEDC in general. A little bit in terms of best practice. 
So we know the research evidence, and you guys would know it as well, that overwhelmingly we have benefits for children that can go out and engage freely in their environments, in that outdoor natural places. So outdoor uh, environments, it's really important to consider them as important as their indoor spaces. They're really important in a quality learning environment for children, not only just in their physical health need, but also in their social and emotional development. Through spaces like this, that they'll invite open-ended conversations and interactions. Children can be more spontaneous. They can risk-take. They can explore and discover and connect with nature. So having areas in your centres or schools that have those natural resources, plants, trees, rocks, sand, mud sometimes, depends how children go, it gives children those uh, ability and a, in terms of mud, I'm sure we have plenty of that at the moment, <laughs> uh, even if we didn't want it. Um, but it just allows children to explore their world in ways that are... Uh, and going to provide them the best opportunities and it allows them to share with others, learn with others and learn some of those social interactions as well um, in a more natural environment. Um, some of the other things I've heard recently, the exploration of nutrition can start outside as well, not just those that eat sand. Yes, most children will try sand at some point. Um, but the flavours in an edible garden, for example. So having that open access for children and just seeing the delight on their face when they try something different and actually like it is so lovely. Um, and that just encourages others who are a little bit more timid to have a go as well. Some other resources that we have, the AEDC have what we call school and community stories. Um, so there's heaps of them on the national website, AEDC. Um, gov.au, which can showcase different um, examples of where ECECs or schools have used the AEDC data and how they use the data to inform their programs or planning. Uh, we'll be hearing of a local story from the team soon enough, so I won't go too much into them. But if you want ideas on how to um, use the AEDC in your planning, you can look at some of those. There's videos as well, which are a bit easier to um, take in, but uh, there's some school and community stories. We'll be developing some more um, as we move into next year, so hopefully we'll get them published by middle of next year, showcasing a few great ACT examples. Um, a couple of the states and territories have got together and made uh, some really great ECEC-specific, school-specific um, domain guides um, where they've linked the early years learning framework um, to the AEDC domains, um, along also with the NQS quality areas. Um, they looked at the curriculum as well and some other bits, but more relevant for you is the EYLF. Um, and each of the guides gives some really nice planning support to be able to go through and look at the community itself, what data you have, but what you also know about that community, what other sources of information can you get, um, who's around you in the community, who can you work with and build partnerships and relationships with. Um, and they go through some really good reflections and questions um, in each of the different domains. So I'm going to share links with you to both of them. One's kind of the New South Wales one, which WA New South Wales and South Australia made. And the other one's a Queensland one that they did with Early Childhood Australia. They're both slightly different, both similar, but you might find one that you prefer. Um, so we'll put both up for you to be able to access. This is an example of the New South Wales one where they linked it across the different um, 
NQS uh, areas and the EYLF outcomes. So I was going to talk through just a few examples about how you would use that uh, in your practice. So if you look at your local community, like I mentioned before, what are your strengths in the community? Where are their challenges? Where are their ba um, barriers? And what data does, um, do you have that says how your community's going? Um, what information have you got just from families in terms of feedback? So qualitative evidence, the conversations that you have with families is just as important as data to find out what's happening in your areas. Find out more about the families and children that come to your centre or your school. Um, and where do you see then, once you've gathered all that information together, as your critical points of focus? Where, where is it that you want to focus your programming and make a change? So if you look at um, a couple of examples, so in physical health and wellbeing, um, you might have identified under outcome three, for example, uh, that children need to take responsibility um, for their own health and physical wellbeing, and that's where you want to do some focusing. So we look at the physical health and wellbeing domain. You could utilise something like the Tucker Talk resources. So Canberra Health Services, or ACT Health used to be, um, have really great handouts on different nutrition information um, that's freely available to anybody to use, but they're really easy to give out to families through your services. Um, one of the handouts that I found um, was about how to set up healthy habits around eating and lifestyle, um, and it's about implementing routines and things and conversations that you can have around nutrition. Um, you could then implement that same... Um, those examples within your service or school um, and you could then provide uh, the resources out to parents. Um, so some of those conversations is about the parent and the carer deciding what food is on offer, uh, when food might be offered and where food is offered, but the child then is encouraged to take that active role in deciding whether they're going to eat the food that's on offer um, and how much they're going to choose to eat. And it's showing that uh, to parents as well so that they can help their children set up those great uh, learnings for their future life. Asking questions around mealtimes with the children in your centres um, about tuning into their own hunger. Do they feel that fullness? Um, what's it feel like to be full? Asking some of those questions um, of the children and understanding from their perspective if, if they're understanding some of those signs. How do you know when you've eaten enough? Those kind of questions. So that's just one example. Um, I can go through a few more of the different domains if people find that helpful. Maybe? Yes, good. Some interaction, some conversation. Um, so green one, social competence. Um, I found an example under outcome two in the EYLF, so sense of belonging uh, for children. Um, Tasmania has a really good AEDC school story that I came across on um, the AEDC website. So a Catholic primary school in that uh, story has identified concerns that the children were developmentally, uh, they had concerns with developmental vulnerability in their community. Um, they used the data to seek funding uh, to redevelop their playground. And they put in a very large and very deep sandpit was a key feature of this redevelopment. So they've looked at the deep digging um, and the handling of large items, providing opportunities for children to develop in their gross and fine motor skills. But the main factor that they looked at was their children's ability to um, engage in social competence and a little bit in that emotional development as well. 
So it allowed children to negotiate roles, challenges, collaborate to achieve goals together in that big sandpit space. Um, one of the educators commented in the school story, if two children were tugging on the milk crate, the teacher would be able to say, it looks like both of you want the milk crate. What can you do to work this out? And by helping the children to resolve that conflict in a way that's outside in nature, in a really supported way, developed their social skills in a really nice way. So I thought that was a really good example of how you can use the ADC data to guide what happens within um, the environment that you offer. For emotional maturity, I had a look through and thought outcome one looked good. Um, so I looked at children developing and uh, emerging their, uh, sorry, develop their emerging autonomy, um, independence, resilience, and self, a sense of agency. You all know these EYFs much better than I do. I know their ADC slide. Um, so you might have noticed that a child is having trouble managing their emotions. We see those a lot. I see them in my house too. Um, and the, there might have been a highlighted increase in developmental vulnerability for that domain in your community as well. You could respond by reaching out and strengthening the relationships that you have with local child and family centres, which we have here in the ACT, or the community organisations working in your local community that offer supports to children and families um, in your area. If you work together uh, to identify family and child-friendly resources with those services that you can provide back to the families, and you could program a focus area in learning in your centre or school looking at recognising emotions. And I'm sure you guys are doing many great practices of all of these examples, but I'll just give you a few. Um, so looking at recognising emotions, what does it look like to the children? What does it feel like? And being able to name some of those feelings as well. Talking to families where you see a child that's specifically having concerns with that emotional regulation. Um, and offering... Oh, talking to that family about it, referring that family to go to their local child and family centre. There's supports there here in the ACT uh, in early intervention uh, for emotional wellbeing in those centres, for both the children in group kind of situations, but also for the families as well, circle of security and those kind of things. Um, so there's lots of programs that you could offer within your centre, but also programs that are available for families where you see risks um, to be able to go and get supports. And the, uh, not the final one, sorry, the red one, uh, language cognitive skills school-based. Um, I had a look at maybe outcome five, children engaging with a range of texts um, and gaining meaning from these texts. So we know, and you guys would know even more so, language and rich uh, early environments encouraging children to talk and share uh, really develops that um, language but develops their um entire development across holistically across all five domains. Uh, we know the more words that are spoken in houses lead to more optimal development in general. Um, hearing lots of different people read stories is really important for children as well. Uh, it allows them to develop a, a wide repertoire of language and expression as well. Um, a recent example I heard of, uh, ECEC service set up a street library just in their front um, reception area. So children and families were able to take books there, leave books there for other families, and children started to show really great interest in borrowing from their local little library at their ECEC. That also supported the practice of parents encouraging children to read at home as well. 
So through your school or service, you might have noticed that a particular child wasn't developing their language the same as their other peers. And for this child, you might have a chat to their family, talk about what you've noticed for that child, and maybe provide them with a child development service drop-in flyer. So there's drop-ins uh, for child development service that happen both out of the child development service in Holder, but also the child and family centres across the ACT, where you can feel free to, uh, parents can drop in. Um, there's specific times that do at different centres to chat to a speech pathologist. It's a bit of a consultation at that point for them to get an idea of where they're at, maybe get some ideas to try at home. Or that speech pathologist at that point might recommend them to come in for further assessment. Um, and the child development service offer that for speech pathology, but also for occupational therapy and physiotherapy. So they're a great resource in our community to have. Um, so that's one way that you'll be able to <laughs> look at that language and um, support families and children where you've seen some concerns. The final one, communication skills and general knowledge. So I looked at being out, outcome four. Um, children being a resource in their own learning through connecting with people, place, technologies, natural and process materials. So in the ACT, this is where we saw our largest increase uh, for 2021 cohort in this domain. So a focus in this domain might look at providing opportunities for children to listen and talk through imaginative play in your programs, promoting local events such as the local library programs that um, in your communication with parents. So if you send out a newsletter to parents, maybe include some of what's happening at your local library. There's some great programs happening out there for communication for children at the moment. Uh, identify and build relationships with your local library or local play groups that you can either take your children out on an outing or excursion to, um, or you can encourage families to participate in those opportunities in their local community as well. And if there's not services in your local area that you think need to be there, reach out and build those relationships with some of the community organisations or ACT playgroups and think about starting a playgroup in your local area that might support the families of the catchments where you live or work. Um, so there were just a few examples I kind of came up with that might help um, across those different domains. Um, other programs that are available, I won't talk too much at this one because I think Kids at Play is part of conversation today, but Kids at Play is a, a free ACT government program that you can access um, to support children and it does support across all five of the ADC domains, particularly the emotional and social ones you don't always see, but um, definitely Kids at Play has a really good impact there as well as where you would obviously in physical health and wellbeing. Uh, through the directorate, the uh, Set Up for Success strategy, um, there's access to trauma-responsive practice resources and training. I encourage you all to engage with this opportunity. Um, there's a wealth of information and resources when I had a look at it that are all based on research and evidence. And it's not just helpful for children that have experienced trauma, but it's best practice strategies that work for all our children. So that's a really good um, resource available to you as well. Another area where we can support children is in their transitions. So we know um, that it's really critical to help families, but children as well, through those really critical transition points in their lives. Uh, recently released by Education Directorate um, is a framework for supporting children and families as they tra transition. Um, and ECE services through into preschool programs and then into the primary school program as well. So being able to use um, 
resources from this framework that are on offer. There's guides and uh, there's a statement and then guide for families as well. Uh, we'll help you in that transitioning um, period for families and for families not having to tell their story over and over again, to be able to pass some of that information on sensitively um, as you build relationships with those services and supports around you. To further from that, education has also developed uh, preschool pathways resources and there's a guide for parents and carers to help support children as they transition into preschool and through. So there's some really great supports that are available um, with easy access for you as well, targeted both at uh, services but also at families to guide them through those um, periods. In terms of us in the AEDC team, what's next for us? Uh, my role is to communicate the results widely through ACT workshops, uh, forums, tailored sessions, so doing what we're doing today. This is one of our larger forums, um, but a tailored sessions one-on-one, -on -one, we come out and meet with your service and talk through results. We do that with schools as well, um, but we also help to um, look at policy changes and inform planning, um, supporting the use of AEDC data for all of that work across the ACT. We collaborate on local initiatives with researchers as well. So there's a couple going at the moment. UC have one good start to life um, research project that's happening using the ADC data. Um, and we support the village, um, which is a Elconnen initiative, um, using the ADC data as well. We engage with local community um, to help target responses. So using the ADC results to help them apply for grants um, to support them being successful in a grant using data. Um, unfortunately, the way the ACT results are mean that the data is there to support. So if you're after some money for something, um, the ADC data is a good one to be able to use. Uh, we will be releasing some uh, further snapshot reports. We haven't quite landed on a name to call them. Little modules with some further um, data analysis of the different population groups that we look at in the ACT data set. Um, and as I mentioned before, the school and community stories. So we're writing up some more examples of what's happened locally in the ACT. Um, so you'll see them come through as well. Um, this is a big slide, so I've left it all in there. But really the take-home message is that the AEDC has a really rich, robust data set um, that looks at child development across Australia and you can use it at a local level. We have the largest recorded number and percentage of ACT children developmentally vulnerable when they start school. Um, and we have more and more children who need further assessment each of our um, cycles. Nearly 1,000 of the nearly 6,000 children in the ACT um, were identified as their teachers needing further assessment. Um, so really a call out before we hear from some others. So before leaving today, the thing I'd like to leave you with is what will your next step be? So do you need more information? Do you need to look further at data? Are there partnerships that you've thought about through this uh, through the presentation? You thought, oh, I could reach out to that area and, and build partnerships and develop something with them. And what do you need then to help you take that next step? So they're just some thought-provoking questions that you'll get in your pack to take home with you. If you want more information, um, email us anytime, reach out to us, we can come and chat to you. Uh, there's our old website. We didn't change that one. <laughs> I'm looking at Anna because we've got to change it for a few more forums. Um, that's our old children.act. It will still get you to our website, though. Um, please reach out if you want any more, but otherwise I will hand over for a nice local example and then we'll be available for questions after. So I, um, 
for those who don't know me, I'm Leah Partridge and I work in um, early childhood uh, and early childhood policy and regulation, but we're now um, education and care service, uh, regulation and support. And I use the ABC data quite regularly in our briefings um, in order to, as, um, as Tracy said, in order to be able to have some impact um, in, in what we're doing and in order to know that our um, supports and our services that we're doing are delivering some um, good um, supports to uh, that we'll be able to track and be able to see in the future. Um, but one of my questions I had is, um, so our, our um, audience today are both from schools and from early childhood education and care services, and what can they do to utilise the AEDC data in things like their quality improvement plans or their um, strategic planning in schools um, to make some, um, some improvements? So I think we talked through probably a few of the examples already, but it's drawing together that um, qualitative information. So um, what do you know about your community? What do you know about the children and families coming to your centre? Um, and using your local AEDC data, whether that's a couple of suburbs around you or the region around you in the ACT data set. Um, and look at where you might be seeing some vulnerabilities, some challenges. What are some of the barriers that families might have talked to you about? Um, and put that together, I suppose, under, um, and, and ways to address that. We talked about what are the risk and protective factors. We know encouraging families to go to playgroups and local library services. Um, all of those things are encouraging families to engage with their children, develop that social, emotional and um, physical health from being outside. So any of those where you can pull together. Um, but it's looking not just at the ADC, but using the ADC as part of that puzzle piece in your planning and programming. Does that yeah, answer enough? Seen I've spoken for long <laughs> enough. Abby and Amy um, will share now a great example with you. Thank you. Are you right now? <laughs> Hi everybody. I'm going to try and wait this clicker. Look at that. So um, we would like to acknowledge we are meeting on the land of the Manawal people and we pay our respects to elders both past and present. It was really actually interesting listening to you, Tracy. then. I've heard you present a lot on AEDC, um, but it was a really great reminder of some of the other examples that we've been seeing out in services. So we are the Early Childhood Community Coordinators because there's not enough acronyms in the room. We are the ECCCs, which, you know, we, we still stumble over almost two years into this job now. Um, but I'm Amy and this is Abby, and we support our family schools, ECCs, um, and children, most importantly, within the three-year-old initiative, which is part of the Setup for Success. So the three-year-old initiative helps us to identify children and families that are experiencing vulnerability and disadvantage and help them to access quality ECEC um, tw two days a week in some of our providers. And I see some of our providers out here, which is really lovely, and to, to really make a difference for children and families. So Tracy did touch on the Setup for Success strategy, but what we're really sort of the key point of our presentation today is really around that working together with children and partnerships. Um, one of the things that's really come out of our work with the AEDC data is the partnerships that we're forming across the community with ACT libraries, KPAP, as um, Tracy mentioned, and uh, most importantly, our ECEC is understanding that they don't have to do all the work themselves. We can help support that, and we've got these partnerships. We're very blessed here in Canberra that we have so many partnerships that are out there to support this work. We also really work strongly in our role to build capacity amongst educators um, to really support children. Um, and that's where our story is today about some work we did with some educators within one of our ECECs. 
based on the work we found from the AEDC data and how we could really contextualise it for them and really make an impact for their families and their educators. So I'm going to give a shout out to Tara. Tara, put your hand up. Tara is a director at SDM Bluebell um, and we were laughing that she was here. We were very excited. Um, we work really closely with SDM Bluebell. It's one of our um, ECECs that supports the three-year-old initiative. And what really came about from the relationship with this was when they originally first came on board with the three-year-old initiative, we talked about some of the key roles that we could support with. It always starts off with individual children, so we looked at individual children that were coming in the initiative and how we could support. But then it became a broader question of how we could support their educators to build capacity, particularly around, at that point, it was a physical domain. We looked really carefully at SDM Bluebell. It's located in Belconnen. It is surrounded by apartments. A lot of the children and the educators that work there come from apartments, and we talked about the different um, challenges they may have around their physical domain, um, meeting their physical development, sorry, because of where they live and what they can access. And then, of course, a little thing called COVID happened, which really brought it to the forefront when children can no longer go to parks, playgroups, and do all those sorts of things. So Tara is also somebody who we would love to, if there is questions, if you want to direct them at her from a perspective <laughs> of that, that's really great as well. Beautiful. Um, so as Amy mentioned, we did start, um, given the context of where SDN Bluebell is located, um, after we did that and had a few chats with Tara, we went out and did many observations. So worked our way through all of the rooms, had chats with educators about their professional learning goals, um, specifically around that physical domain, physical health, um, and supporting um, active play both inside and outside, and kind of changing the, the thinking around that. Um, when we did work our way into the second workshop, which is quite a separate thing, but still based on the AEDC data. Um, that was identified, one, with the data, but also around professional learning goals that educators had specifically around supporting language development using rich texts. Um, so after we had our initial observations and our chats with Tara and the team, who really opened up about their wonderings and what they were seeing in their observations, um, we developed a, a sort of workshop to have with the whole staff. Um, with all of the educators there. So we first started by looking at the AEDC data, unpacking what it is, um, how it can be used, and also looking at some of those key um, indicators of what vulnerability may look like. Um, then we unpacked what supporting it may look like in practice. Um, so through that sort of phase, uh, we looked at a few different resources that we'll pull up in a moment. Um, also linked it to NQF and the service philosophy, EYLF, um, and just tried to really... Um, expose how, how it fits in with all those other different links um, and provided the educators with opportunities to collaborate and start to practice those different um, strategies that we unpacked. Oh, wonderful. Um, so as I said, we did link it heavily to SDM Bluebell's philosophy. Um, so you can see a few of their um, dot points that we've pulled from their philosophy about children being confident, capable learners, strong relationships, and building on shared interests. So with that lens, we wanted to unpack what addressing the data can look like. So we used things such as their routine and rituals, um, their experiences that they already had and how we could uh, really support them to create a depth within those. Opportunities for children both inside and outside, as I mentioned, where the educator's role in those might be, such as scaffolding, modeling, uh, and then also really building on the development of the child. So within that, uh, when we were working with the educators, we did provide resources, as mentioned, from KPAP. Wonderful, if you haven't checked them out. Um, and also an example planning template. 
that supported the educators to break into different rooms um, and then come back together and collaborate over their different um, experiences and opportunities that they developed. We also um, provided some different resources around child development milestones, so that way as educators were planning, they could really keep in mind if they felt that children um, may require additional supports or modifications to be able to um, demonstrate those milestones within their planning, um, and also resources from AEDC. So again, we, re we examined those resources together, discussed the specific needs of children, which was wonderful to have both um, multiple rooms of educators because they had, of course, had children the whole way through. So educators were able to collaborate across um, their observations of multiple children. And then again, completed those planning templates together and mapped out key actions and then supports that they may require from us. So we obviously we just kept going back to Bluebell because we absolutely love it there. Um, but we also, it was a really great chance to to keep building our trust with the educators as well. We found the educators to be really honest and open about what they were hoping to gain, what they still needed to learn about. What kept coming back to us was that real need around understanding children's development really strongly. So we did made sure that there were lots of works with that. But we've also provided external links to places like the ACT libraries. Bluebell is located very closely to the Belconnen branch of the ACT library. So they're in that unique situation where they can actually you know, visit quite easily. And obviously there's ongoing collaboration. And what we're finding with every time we go back, and we, we go back a lot, um, what we really love is that we have a different conversation with an educator or an educator might pull us across and go, well, we've tried this, we want to go further with that. And we see that from Tara's leadership down, that there's just this th the thirst to build the capacity. And we're really seeing that the data gave us that in in the first place, the AEDC data, because I think there was that initial shock of, well, Canberra, we're not doing so well, um, which is can be a bit confronting. But then it also sort of made it about the cohort, um, the children we were seeing, and, and it sort of took a little bit of way about it being a, particularly about their children, but children in general, but then how we could build them up. So it worked really well for us with the AEDC data. So the impact, though, I'm sorry, before questions, I'm just going to skip back. I just wanted to say was um, we really noticed a difference in the physical environment of Bluebell particularly, Lots of lovely um, little nooks and crannies in their outdoor area. Lots of autonomy for children to, um, to, to develop that space, to use the space how they will. Lots of places where they can hide, where they can um, move things. And it was, that was a really big change from what we had originally seen. And all ages using the space in their own unique ways, which was fantastic. And around the literacy, um, the communications and language skills, we saw a huge uptake in the intentionality of the group times that were being offered from babies up and we will say quite frankly that the baby's group time was one of the most beautiful experiences we've ever sat through. We didn't want to leave but we had to um, and it was a real service. Um, it was an ECEC focus around some chickens that had been hatched but it was then explored across the rooms and constantly built upon and the language that was modelled and shared in, those, in all spaces was just amazing. Plus, we know that um, these stories were shared really closely with families, and we thought that was a, a really key point coming out of the COVID world a little bit, that families could be back and involved and really seeing what the value was, what was happening there. So it was huge impacts for us. So that's pretty much us in a nutshell. Tara, did you have anything you wanted to add? I'm going to throw you on the spot. Um, just to get some feedback as well, you do a fresh pair of eyes for coming to the service. 
Um, and it's not just you know your your director, myself, educational leader, interacting with your team to build their capacity as mentor. You've got other people who are helping you with that. Um, and like my team absolutely love having Amy and Abby come and visit. And it's not a daunting thing, you know. Like some other team can be like, oh, someone's coming to watch me. It's definitely not like that at all. And it's very collaborative when they come in. So they're always asking lots of questions um, and just getting some fresh ideas. So take up the opportunity wherever you can. And through the work with Amy and Abby, um, we've actually partnered with ACT Libraries to actually do like an ongoing program, both excursions and incursions. And we're actually having our first PD session with the ACT libraries in the next few weeks to help build our education capacity. Um, yeah, so it's all just tying all together and take up those opportunities. Thanks, Tara. I think that's the key from the AEDC data is there's so much available. It's such a great in. Um, there's so much we've learnt um, through the AEDC data, but also there's the, the connections that you can make through it is really great. So thanks, everyone. Would anyone like to go first with questions? Do you have capacity to take on further services? And if so, what's your application process like? So we do work with the three-year-old initiative. So while Tara spruiked just really nicely, we do have to work with um, ECECs and schools that are partnered with the three-year-old initiative. Um, so it's probably a better conversation to have on the side. Yeah. And we can have a talk to you because there are also other members of our team. So if we don't have capacity, there are other people. Yeah. But it's just, um, yeah, we would love to work with everybody, but, you know, we'll probably get in trouble for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of understanding the ABC data, though, if yeah. you want to start there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can always come out and do one-on-one with any services. Yeah. Um, to help you understand and unpack that data, pull together what other data or resources you might have, and then you might need to make further leaps to get that coaching mentor and support from yeah. you. And I would totally recommend that because Tracy's really helped us understand it so that we could then move it out there. So it is, yeah. it's really great to do that. Yeah. You have that capacity? Yeah. I We will have an evaluation form that will get emailed out to you. And if you put your emails in that, if you do want to be contacted, there's a section. Um, we will reach out to Any advice that you could give in terms of how we plan for new schools and services, taking into account the AEDC data? No, you go. No, that's yours. <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically looking at your areas across the ACT. Have a look at where you have. Um, you'll have lots of data, I suppose, on on the growth areas. The census tells us a lot in terms of not the ADC census, but our Australian census. As the um, 2021 census data starts to come out a bit more, ABS are still slowly releasing their pieces of that census. Pull together where your growth areas are, have a look at the ADC and how that fits across the top of it in terms of mapping uh, where you see those childhood vulnerabilities um, and tailoring services, I suppose, in that way looking at where um, local parks, playgrounds, services can be supported, uh, making sure you have that really nice mix of outdoor, indoor spaces for children as they come into centres um, when you're building up centres from scratch or redeveloping sites that you may already have. 
Um, and I know in terms of school planning, um, ACT directorate, we talk to education in terms of how they use the AEDC in that um, school planning phase as well. So we've worked with them in this 2021 cycle on how to use the ADC data when they're planning for um, redeveloping or for changing the even the PEA, so the areas where children have priority enrolment, depending on where they live, what suburb they live in, um, how that can be impacting the AEDC results as well. I think it was a really good example as well with um, Bluebell and, and you know, We know that there's areas that are getting higher density and um, and therefore at what what are, what are the factors that we need to make sure we maintain as high quality education and care services. So um, you know if if we don't offer great outdoor environments or um, you know additional space where there might be um, a vegetable garden or a kitchen and no, uh, a kitchen where learning can occur and um, those sorts of things then um, is that being provided in the community around you? I mean, families are living in apartments that might not necessarily be the case. So, um, you know, that's certainly something that Claire and I think of when we look at um, our applications for development approval for services. And also in that you know, initial phase, we want to know what services and providers are thinking about where children are and what they need. And, you know, is it being close to the library or is it... Um, inviting the library into them or those, yeah, I think that's um, something that we're really keen to use in our office space a little bit more as well. And I think that's where we talked about just at the beginning you can get different demographic information about your area from the ADC. It's not just about the vulnerability side of it. So pull together some of that with the other data that you have or other information you have. So we've been working with one of the community service organisations um, in the Malonglo kind of area. Um, given that they've got a really different mix, um, they've got almost 50% of children in the 2021 results were language background other than English. Um, so they're looking at developing things like English conversation classes for parents to attend whilst having a play group at the same time. So the parent can be there doing English conversation and the kids can be developing um, in terms of that play group opportunity. So opportunities like that where you have space at your centre to bring families in, even if they're not using, using your service as an ECEC, for example, at that point in time, that community space where a play group could be held, where families could come and engage, um, is another way to build that opportunity for families to then come into your centres. Does anyone, is this ringing any bells for anyone? Is there anyone else who'd like to comment or ask questions? Or perhaps who are seeing some of these vulnerabilities in their school or service? I'm just a bit curious about how we said that we're the second most vulnerable state territory. And we have a high number of children who attend preschool and BCBCs. What, why are we seeing this and what else can we sort of do when we're having, we're doing things really well here but we're still number two, what are other states and territories doing differently to what we're doing? That's a good question. I don't know if we have the answer <laughs> to that. But, but I think if we, I, I'm hoping if Tracy is thinking that the more we spread the message about the data, the more it's in our minds. So we're thinking about activities or experiences 
um, or ways that we can connect in the community greater mm -hmm. um, in order to make better impact. So it's not saying that anything that any one of us has been doing or any group of us has been doing is wrong, but it's saying that we can target certain areas for more support. So, um, you know, I came from public preschools years ago and I know that our preschools are really full with children, so we don't have the playgroups the way um, they used to run, you know, 10 years ago. I know as a parent I can't get my child into a playgroup. So, um, you know, it might be, oh, look, we actually have some space, let's invite people in, or um, we might have, um, you know, opportunities for, uh, for um, match nurses or something like that to come and visit your education and care service. So by expanding what you can do in, in um, your spaces um, means that more families have access and more children have access to support their vulnerability. Can I just add to that too? I think also getting the message down to ECECs around the AEDC data because often it, it was held at a school at a level. Exactly. And, um, you know, I know when we first started to unpack it with ECECs, there was a lot of, I don't even know what this is. I don't know how this relates to us. So I think, you know, by doing that work of unpacking it with ECECs and then being able to targeting like Bluebell have done and gone, actually, this is an area we really need to focus on. It just makes that, I think, hopefully then we'll start to see some gains in, in those areas. But it has been you know, secret business for a, a while for me, so it's exciting to see it in there. And it's a whole community responsibility. So it's not just one, one place, it's everybody, you know, planning, everybody's job to, to look at that and to say, what can we do better for our children? So, there are challenges with how we deal with it because it's it's not in time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of looking back at where potentially a child might have been. But but the awareness of it means that we can understand that connection earlier. So it doesn't mean that nobody's done anything. It just means that at that time, that point in time, that's where we've mm -hmm. we've captured that snapshot. And one of the challenges I know it's a sensitive issue for safe and therapies is it's every three years, is it three years? Yeah. So wouldn't it be great if it was every year? And then how does that help our compass? Yeah. You know, because it's that frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then Tracy would be the coordinator general. <laughs> so it's one of those things that's a frustrating thing because it's, it's telling us something on our compass. But it's not telling us specifically about the children who are with us at the moment. So, connecting that understanding of the way that ADC records that with our practice daily. And I just to say, one of the things that we can do the experiment today and really help services together, but that the relationships between school and service is so important because we know, like, the classic pattern is um, if, let's take worst case scenario. Um, child, um, so there's, there's not transition from child experience and early childhood service to a preschool. By the time preschool teachers go, hang on, something's wrong, and we start working on it, we miss that, may come up in AEDC, then it's kind of fudged over, and then at about eight years old, nine years old, things start to really change for that child, and then we go back and go, how come we didn't know that, but we actually did? But we didn't, we didn't think about it at the transition point and didn't actually work, think about it um, uh, uh, linearly for that child. So, that, so that it, it is frustrating, but our awareness of it can help think about our practice and transitions and how we work on that in the future. Now, I know the population is it's a population census, but it's really good for us to be able to like, look at some 
feed particular children we have in our schools and to follow their journey and see what that, how that has developed across their school journey and what impact the interventions that we have put in place to their life trajectory then. That would be really great to be able to do. And Tracy, I don't know if you want to say anything about that, because obviously we've got a long period of time now that we've been doing this analysis, so those children who were involved yeah. at the beginning... So that's the New South Wales data linkage I was talking about, is a longitudinal study. So they have the children from the 2009 data set, plus all of their parent information that's held across multiple government administrative systems, um, so child health, but through it, you know, there's policing records, there's mental health records, health record uh, for child and for parents, and those children are now 18. Um, so that longitudinal study is called the Child Development Study of New South Wales. That's, um, they're a bit, they've just re, um, redone their next phase of research with their 18-year-olds. Um, they've published up to their 11, 12-year-old cohort previously, and that's what a lot of the data linkage comes out of. So this one that they'll publish, they've got to go through all of their kind of research stuff, so it'll be probably a year before they publish but that'll be all about the outcomes at post-school options. Um, so they're already doing some of that work. We're not in the ACT. Data linkage is really expensive and a hard piece of work. Um, we can pull some of that data out of the national resources that are there, and hopefully in time the ACT will get some really strong data linkage across our systems um, to be able to look at that kind of work. In terms of answering questions in other states and territories, other states and territories have worked really hard together um, in the early years. Their focus is the early years. We're getting there. Set up for success is a great strategy and a starting place um, for people to stand up, recognise. The AEDC is kind of working in our favour badly, but um, it, it's making people recognise that there's an issue. So talking to some groups, they don't realise that children in the ACT go without food in a day. Um, people are still there not knowing that because it's not seen in the same way that it's seen in other states and territories. So I think um, having the AEDC be able to show the vulnerability is helpful in that it's not good as, at the same time. Um, but that childhood development is so multifactorial. You've got to have everything kind of working together. So whilst we've got really good preschool attendants and ECEC services that are out there, really good quality supporting children and families, we need a lot of those other supports. So we need parents to know when to see that there's a concern. So some of that needs to be our messaging to families um, through you guys, but also through our health programs. And that's all coming out now as well. First thousand days strategies and things are all coming out through government at the moment. So hopefully you'll see more work in that space. It's about how we focus in the early years, how we support our villages to work around our children um, and support our children and families in that perinatal period all the way through. Um, that will give us our best outcomes and that will change our trajectory for ACT. Anything else? Using the AEDC data, um, like in terms of the health and reasons, you know, that there's a lot of, you know, increased vulnerabilities there, but a lot of the families are having troubles with like this and can't get the support that they need. What else can we do to support them while they're waiting on those waitlists, which are like 18 months to two years? So potentially we're missing an opportunity to change the new that Any. <laughs> just making 
families aware that there, there's places out there that they can put multiple names, get them on as many wait lists as they can, um, and supporting those children and families with the resources that you do have. There's so many services and resources out there. Whilst some will have waiting lists, others will not. So there might be a community service org close to you um, that's supporting children and families in different ways and using their bucket of money in different ways um, that might be able to give that family just a little bit of respite or a little bit of something to get them through while they're waiting on those lists. Um, asking families or um, advocating with the family, going back to those services and say, can I have something to help me while I wait? Where's a good website to go to? And using really good um, evidence and uh, best practice information, not just Googling, um, to find some information to support those families in that short term, long term, while they wait for services. And I think as we kind of use the ADC data, hopefully some of our service system changes will come into place, um, especially in that kind of NDIS space. We're starting to see that service system settle out a bit more as we've gone into more private practices and less allied health services run by the government. So um, that will change over time, but it's a long, slow process. And for families waiting, it's really hard. I hope that answered it. Thank you. Any more questions from the floor? Thank you so much, colleagues. Thanks, Tracy and Abby and Amy, for sharing your expertise and time today. And I hope it's been valuable and um, hope you've um, got a chance to reflect on conversation today and as everybody says the team said that um, there will be a pack going out I think I think it is an ongoing conversation about understanding our communities and understanding our communities helps us to understand children and the more we understand children and share that that um, that knowledge the better and I think um, you know it does go to those the key themes that whether it's um, early years learning framework the national quality standard um, and everything else that we talk about for children, that sense of identity, the connection community, the sense of well-being, the confidence and communication and learning, which is what is the AADC's getting to. Um, so we know all those things are connected. We know um, that we go through um, the elements of the early years learning framework and the other learning frameworks that's all going to contribute. So I just encourage you to have that conversation. Um, the AADC team's available for further follow-ups if you want to organise other groups. Maybe if you're from a larger provider, you might want to do a session um, with your services and your practitioners. Um, and as I said, have a look at um, set, up for, set Up for Success on the uh, Education Directorate's website. You'll see a lot of things there. Um, for those of you who've come to the, um, the Seeker forums, you would have heard me talk about the trauma-informed um, practice and the community of practice there. And it's been, a, it's been great. So I encourage you to, to look at that. This will become a podcast um, with warts and all, probably. Um, and we'll be sharing the PowerPoint slides and the other resources there too. So um, a big warm thanks for coming on this afternoon. I hope you have a lovely um, week and look forward to seeing you the next one of these. Thank you. <laughs>